All right, it's just two guys with two computers talking about a sport that is supposedly college basketball. Starting 502 podcast, Presley Meyer, Jay Cook, half man, half margarita, apparently today. Uh, Jay Cook, starting 502 podcast is brought to you by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. I'm currently sipping on Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. I got the 110 proof right now. And Jake, I don't know how many high proof bourbons you've had before, but I think the a common characteristic is that they're not easy drinkers, if you will. But this is probably one of the smoother 110 proofs I've had. Got into some conversations last night after Louisville took another beat down to Notre Dame at the bars. And there's there's a common thread among bourbon enjoyers that Mr. and Mrs. is the next up and coming, the the big thing in on, on the bourbon scene. Russ has done an, an incredible job. Um, with the product that he's putting out there. You can find Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. I think they have over 100 stores now, or right at 100 stores in just in the state of Kentucky alone. Go to mrandmrsbourbon.com to see where you can find it on the shelves. Also available online as well. Uh, Jake, dude, since the last time we talked, I mean, it, it's the same old story. Louisville takes an L to Boston College, 89-77. to 77, Loses at Pitt. 86 to 59 in a game which fe- featured Blake Henson scoring 41 points. Uh, Louisville beat Blake Henson 59 to 41. Uh, and then you have maybe the, the most uh, unifying game of, of the Kenny Payne era uh, this, this week with the, the just absolute beat down to the other terrible team in the ACC, Notre Dame, uh, 72 to 50. I don't, I don't know if we even want to do like major takeaways, but I mean, to you, it's just been kind of same old, same old with these last three games. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a portion of the fan base prior to the last three that maybe had a little bit of confidence, played really tight with Syracuse, beat Florida State, beat Georgia Tech. So I still think 90% of this fan base was still in the same place. This is not acceptable. But you kind of notice it on Twitter a little bit louder of this of that KP Mafia was coming back and being like, see, the guys are playing hard all this stuff. This is what we needed. We needed time. But the last three, I mean, we didn't have Sky for Boston College, didn't have him for Pittsburgh. But this last game against Notre Dame, I mean, they're the only team comparable when it comes to record, all the efficiency metrics besides they play really good defense to us. So if there's anyone that we should be able to compete with, the last team on our schedule we were favored for, and we just get shit pumped. I mean... (laughs) Terrible, terrible look from, I mean, the start was a little competitive, but by six minutes in the second half, it was just, I mean, you knew it was over. And I think Mike Rutherford tweeted and said only three more weeks. And that's exactly what I was saying. And it's just like, all right. And it's just like, this game was the epitome. If you hadn't already understood it, that we don't have a good enough coach because Michael Strewsbury has half the talent that Louisville has on his roster. And yet they still play hard. They still look like they know how to play basketball and they know how to play defense. Like that's just, and he's in his first year alone with a roster nowhere near as talented as us. So I think this was just like the final nail in the coffin that had already had like 42 other nails put in it. Yeah. I mean, my kind of takeaway and and we can get into this in a second as well, but a, a real major takeaway for me is that apparently the players had been saying, okay, well, we, we want Kenny Payne to be our coach. Like, over and over again, like, you know, backing KP, supporting him, saying we would prefer KP over bringing in an interim. They say that and then go out on the court and perform like they don't want Kenny to be their coach. And that's kind of I think that's what breaks a lot of fans hearts is we're not used to. We've never been accustomed over the last, I mean, five, six decades to seeing teams put any sort of performances like this out on the court, let alone two full seasons of performances like this. Yes. When everything's clicking, like in the Miami game, maybe like in the Florida state game, uh, even, you know, the Syracuse game, which had the BS ending, uh, you know, that there have been some games where they kind of caught fire uh, and they were able to just make a lot of shots and keep up with other teams. WKU from last year comes to mind uh, where, you know, they're they're just playing with a lot of confidence because they just came out early and started knocking down shots. Think about uh, Mike James at Miami comes out and scores 16 of the first 18 points, I think. So outside of that, though, 
there's been, you know, it, it's so easy to just once once the team takes a hit to just stay down. And that's such an indictment on, on the coaching. A lot of people are, are still arguing, you know, maybe maybe it's still the players, but I, I just I cannot disagree more. I think that there's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, it's just it, 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 go, it goes back to the old thing where, you know, KP is clearly a, a pretty solid evaluator of talent. He's a probably a really good basketball mind. And it's clear when you listen to him talk that he knows what the issues are with the team. But it's not his job just to know what the issues are. Uh, you know, there are many, many, uh, you know, well-connected basketball minds that, that can look at Louisville or look at a Duke or a North Carolina or a UConn and say, okay, wrong with this team, here's what should be fixed. But there's only a, a handful of people that make three, four, five million dollars a year uh, that, that are able to get the most out of those players and get them to do what they're supposed to do. And that's what Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne was hired to do. He wasn't hired to sit at, after each game and explain to you what went wrong. His job is to explain why it's going wrong and and how he's going to fix that. And we've never heard the how. Uh, his his entire tenure, we have not heard how he's going to fix it, and we've not seen how he's going to fix it. Uh, and, and ultimately, it goes back to the Groundhog Day thing, Jake, where uh, you know the Notre Dame game, the Pitt game, the Boston College game, it felt like much of a regression towards much of what we'd seen for the rest of, of his tenure, minus the Syracuse game and, and the Florida State game, uh, where they had, had a good little stretch there. They're going back to the, the, the same old just BS, not looking like they have a plan, not making an effort on defense, just giving up wide open shots over and over again. Best player, you know, other teams' best players somehow consistently gets open time after time after time. Take no pride in defense whatsoever. Not good team basketball. Just ugly, ugly, ugly play um, all around. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure there's much more to say besides that, right? No, I mean, only other thing is, like, I was looking at it. So 24-7 sports after transfer portal, after recruiting is done, list, like, the composite team ranking based on, like, the star rankings of the transfers you brought in and the recruits you brought in. Louisville was ranked sixth with the transfers and the recruits they brought in, and Notre Dame was ranked 41st. And those are two teams that basically overhauled their whole entire roster. Notre Dame brought in seven guys. We brought in nine. So, I mean, it's just incredible to me that in one year, Micah Shrewsbury at a program that's so much so much further inferior than Louisville can already show, like, he is a good coach. If you give him the right talent, they can be a 20-win team consistently for as long as he's there. So it's, it, it's just frustrating. Um, is there a, does Cincinnati need a basketball coach as well? Is there any chance they would hire Kenny Payne away and take away his $8 million buyout? That would be. God, be nice. wouldn't that be something just, just complete the the trade, you know, and we'll throw in like uh, Dan McDonald and cash considerations or something <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm totally joking though, please. I, I know baseball's not going great right now, but we love coach Max. So, um, Dude, I mean, for me, you know, I kind of went over what my biggest takeaways are. I, I think overall, I think the overarching theme of the Kenny Payne era and what we're going to look back on was it was just literally the definition of insanity. Just doing the same things over and over, just maybe slightly differently, but still very poorly. Uh, and then we had the, the bullshit where they were, you know, throwing Zane into the starting lineup, throwing D'Lo into the starting lineup. And now you have D'Lo, like D'Lo can't even sniff the court in a six to seven man rotation. No, nothing's really made sense. Nothing's really added up. I'm not sure what Kenny's trying to get out of this team. I'm not sure what kind of system he runs. Uh, and, and none of that's changed. You know, it, it all goes back to like the, the, the start of the KP era when he first came in and we kept saying, okay, well, he's going to get guards. Like, you know, Louisville's going to find a point guard. Louisville's going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. But no, two years in a row, they left multiple roster spots open. Uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of, of uh, you know, kind of complaining about, okay, well, you know, the, it's not Kenny Payne's fault that that all these players are getting hurt. I mean, he's just doing what he can with, with the players that he has. But to me, I, I think that, you know, 
he had a full roster when he lost a lot of games to a lot of really terrible teams. Uh, and he also built that roster and he's also constructed, constructed a coaching staff and a medical team and uh, a strength and conditioning staff uh, that's supposed to keep, <laughs> keep these players, you know, healthy. And he's, you know, that it, I mean, well, I, I don't know if anything will come out about that later on. I really have no inside information on that. But, I mean, there's no teams in the country that have this type of, um, you know, th- th- these type of, of issues with players consistently getting injured. Uh, but I, I think that part of it, too, is when you play bad basketball, that's just asking for injuries. You know, I, I think that there there is a an unpredictability to the way that Louisville plays that uh, – forces players to get into into positions that uh, are, you know, unenviable. Uh, you know, they're, they're not getting in good, in good position to get rebounds. So they're, they're, you know, trying to use their athleticism to go out of the way and, and to, to grab a rebound or they're, you know, not, not getting in, in good position, closing out on threes or what, whatever it might be. And ultimately they're in positions that they're not even supposed to be in. And that's why you end up getting hurt more often. That could be one theory, but I think another theory too is there. There might be something going on behind the scenes. There could be something to be said about, um, you know, Hersey Miller going to a third party to get evaluated with his hip as well. A lot goes into that, um, and I, the, the I, I think just the the overarching takeaway though is that it's been the same shit over and over again. It's not like they're losing in a bunch of different ways, like. They're just consistently getting blown out. At this point, Kenny Payne, uh, 55% of the games that he's coached have been double-digit losses. And I think something like uh, 35% to 40% of his games have been 20-point-plus losses. Um, so, and, and just to put it in perspective, Rick Pitino was 9% double-digit losses. And of the, what, 44, 43, 44 double-digit losses, you know, three of those were in overtime, um, you know, like six or seven of those were by exactly 10 points. Uh, I think his entire time in what, 17 years at Louisville, I think he had three or four games where he lost. Like it was a true blowout where they lost by 25, 30 points. Uh, and and we, we all remember those too. It, it's, it's just crazy to think about the, the juxtaposition between pre KP and, and what things are like now for you. What, what is your takeaway uh, I mean, we're 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 nearing the end, right? There's four games left. Uh, you know, we're we're right there at the finish line. What is your takeaway from from this tenure this season and maybe overall? Uh, I mean, this season at least he didn't make it weird. That was kind of our fear in the preseason. Was like we either want to know he's good. Year one was a fluke. He didn't have his guys, and then we win 20 games and we're we're a nine seed, a ten seed in the NCAA tournament. Or we wanted to know, like, this isn't it. Like, it's still bad. And we know. We know that it's still bad. We know that it's still unacceptable. No, He has his own guys now. It, doesn't seem, it seems like no matter the talent, he still can't get them to play cohesively on defense at all and on offense at times. But even on offense, it just seems like all they want to do is play one-on-one basketball. It resembles more of an NBA style than it does what you traditionally see at the college level. So my biggest takeaway, he didn't make it weird. And for that, I am happy. One other thing that, that I would mention as well is just the way that Kenny decided to try to build this program and try to recruit, right? Uh, you know, we got into last last podcast about how he simply just refused to accept help. Uh, and I, I think that's something that came back to bite him in a major way. You know, when when he had an opportunity to, to make even small tweaks on the coaching staff, he didn't do that, promoted from within, and acted like everybody was crazy. Uh, and, and then uses the same justification uh, for, for the for retaining the coaching staff that he kind of does with the players. He's like, well, no, I mean, I have a, a coach on my coaching staff that w- was one of the best basketball players of all time. I have multiple national championship winners. And ultimately, it's like, OK, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a very intelligent man who, you know, invented Facebook and, you know, changed the world in a lot of aspects. But I'm not sure that Mark Zuckerberg is is well equipped well equipped to coach somebody else on how to do that right like that and that i know that might not be a a perfect parallel 
but just because you're good at doing doing something, just because you were a great basketball player, doesn't mean that you're automatically well equipped to be a great basketball coach. Uh, just because Kenny Payne was a great developer of talent at Kentucky, doesn't mean that he's going to be a great head coach at the college level. And the other thing that 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 I get into, you know, again, Karan Davis, Danilo Jovanovic. Manny for Hersey Miller. Those are players that we use scholarships on. Those are not like, I mean, I, I do love watching Manny for play, but I mean, nothing to me screams that that's a guy that should be a rotation guy at this point in his career. Uh, you know, he did bring in Brandon Huntley Hatfield and Sky Clark who have been solid additions. Um, but then again, you have, you know, you had Devin Ree, Kamari Lands. We'll, we'll never know about Dennis Evans, right? Uh, there have Fabio been some, Basili. Fabio Basili. Thank you. Sorry. That's a, that's a name that I totally left out. It's you just go down across this list of players and it's like, what was he thinking with trying to land these guys? I, I it, it just, it blows my mind. Now, now there are great pieces. Like for instance, this is a great, a great conversation as well. If you had to keep, if you got to pick one player to stay on this roster for next year, I think it's got to be Tyler Johnson, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's Tyler so, for sure. And I mean, Tyler Johnson—that's a guy. You know, Jacob and I were talking about this yesterday. Tyler is a guy that could be an all-conference player in the next couple of years. Uh, he absolutely has that talent, and if you, he you put the right pieces around him and put him in the right system. I mean, he's a guy that could be like an eight to 10 assists a night kind of guy. Um, he just has that raw talent. I mean, you think about it, he's 18 years old out there, uh, you know, still not even developed his frame yet. Uh, and he's a guy that is just an absolute baller. Um, I, I think that Curtis Williams was another great get. I think Caleb Glenn was a good get. So there have been solid pieces added, but there's also been so much waste. And ultimately, I, I think that's going to be another, uh, you know, takeaway from the Kenny Payne era is just that there's been so much wasted potential because of his, I don't even want to say inability, but maybe stubbornness to, to get the kind of players that he needed. Um, you know, Kenny was used to, you know, coaching guys that are NBA all-stars now. And I don't think you look at any player on this roster or any player that he's tried to bring in here and say, okay, that's a future NBA all-star. Um, and, and you know, I don't think that, that that's what's needed to win, but I'm just saying, you know, that's what he's used to. You know, he just came from the Knicks to Louisville. Like, that's that's all he knows is extremely talented players. And I think it says a lot about how things have turned out because he's trying to piece things together with guys that just don't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why they're here. I have nothing against, you know, uh, Kamari Lance. Like, I have nothing against um, – you know, Fabio Basili. I'm sure they're great people, but ultimately at the end of the day, those, a lot of these guys are just not players that are meant to be on any D one roster, let alone playing at Louisville and, you know, starting at Louisville, playing significant minutes at Louisville, being rotation guys. Like that just doesn't make sense. Like at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, me and Megan were having a conversation yesterday. She was like, Oh, is Dan a sophomore? And I was like, Dan Payne is like 25 years old, dude. <laughs> like, like, and you know, the, the, the conversation turned to, okay, well he literally played more minutes in one game this season than he did his entire career in four years at Kentucky. And it's just stuff like that, where it's like, it kind of takes your breath away how far and how quickly uh, Louisville has fallen. And even the, two out of the three, what we would consider solid pieces we added this year, kind of fell into Kenny's lap. I mean, Caleb Glenn was coming to Louisville. Before Kenny Payne got there, he's a Louisville guy. I mean, most likely, unless the coach told him, hey, don't come here, we're not going to play you, he was going to come to Louisville already. And then Tyler Johnson got him, like, as late as you possibly can, only because he failed to be eligible at Memphis. So, I mean, happy that we got him, and he does deserve some credit for getting those guys, but – he did kind of luck into two out of those three pieces that we're even bragging about. So all in all, it's just been a failure on all levels. And uh, I am very excited for the middle of March. I'll say that. <laughs> we were talking a little bit earlier about, 
you know, what this coaching search is going to look like. Uh, I, I think the one day that has, is standing out to me is starting to stand out to me um, is March 13th, which is the first round of the ACC tournament. Uh, it's unknown who Louisville's going to play, but probably somebody like a Boston College, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, something like that. If they don't win that game, then that's probably the last we ever see Kenny Payne. And then March 16th is when that transfer portal opens. And the portal will be open for, I believe it's a month. Is that correct? It's either a month or 40 days, something like that. And I think it's really important that Louisville has a plan in place where, um, you know, if there is a new coach coming in, that that guy is able to hit the ground running and have the the full support of the school, that he's able to uh, bring in a coaching staff as quickly as possible, and that he's able to immediately start recruiting players out of the transfer portal. I think that's a, a huge key. Uh, you know, I mean, it's as as we speak, it is the evening of, of February 22nd. Uh, so we're looking at literally in less than a month, Louisville needs to have a coach in here or at least a verbal handshake agreement of some sort to have a coach in here. And that coach needs to be able to hit the ground running and start recruiting. Uh, and I, I think that's why a lot of people are kind of hitting the panic button a little bit because. Obviously, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I think that, you know, we would be discrediting Josh Hurd. You know, we, 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 we'd be discrediting him if we, if we were to say that he's not already got a plan in place, that there's probably not there. There's probably been a ton of conversation in the background um, with with coaches and agents. So with all that in mind, what what are the names that are, are standing out to you right now? Um, and are there any new names that have kind of jumped on your magic list? Yeah, I don't know about new names. I mean, I, we talked about it last podcast. I think at that point it was 10 names that I broke down. I think now we're almost up to 15. But I think it's more about the names that we already knew about. Scott Drew, Chris Beard, Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, and kind of how they played out the end of this season. And to me, the biggest thing is that some have risen and some have fallen. And to me, I don't think there's any clearer riser in who I would want as a coach than Nate Oates. It looks like he's about to win the SEC, I think, for the third time in four years. Probably going to get a really high seat in the tournament. Great recruiter. So to me, like he's now at that pinnacle. I, I would honestly consider him over Chris Beard, especially since he has no off-court issues. Though the Brandon Miller situation, I don't think was... His fault by any means, he did handle it kind of strangely, but he's got a $10 million buyout. So that's kind of the big thing there. Um, Jerome Tang falling off nearly the face of the planet. I think they've lost six out of their last seven, maybe seven out of their last eight. I mean, they've got, unless they win the Big 12 tournament, they've got no chance of making it. So, and we talked about Tang last time and how important the end of this season was going to be to really prove, like, was that a one-hit wonder crazy elite eight tournament run or is he actually a great coach that can take different teams to high high levels and he's slowly starting to fall off so i mean to me i think the list is just getting a little bit clearer we've still got our top dog scott drew who i think everyone would be happy about i think that might be the only hire out there that no one would complain about all the other names i'm sure there's somebody that's going to be like oh we should have got chris beard or we should have got dusty may or something but i think if you get scott drew you make 99% of the fan base happy. Uh, Chris Beard starting to fall off. Uh, I was looking at their schedule, Old Misses. They started off 18 and one or something crazy. I didn't realize how awful their non-conference schedule was. And now that they've hit SEC play, they're really starting to take a slide. Chris Beard to me, I think still be a great coach if he came here, but with the off-court issues and with his team not playing as well, I think he slid down a little bit. Of um, Eric Musselman, Arkansas is playing okay. They're still not going to make the tournament unless they win the SEC, but I still think if you take him, to, if you bring him to Louisville, he'll do wonderful things. Uh, I think last guy that I've seen rising, TJ Altsberger at Iowa State, they just continue to win, continue to play really good basketball and continue to beat almost everybody in the Big 12 or be competitive with every single team mm -hmm. when, and it's the best conference in the nation. So I don't know about adding new names. There are some guys towards the bottom of the list like Dusty May, Porter Moser, Shock Smart, guys like that that, I guess you could say have been added, but 
I think those are C tier hires to me. So I, I'm just focusing on the the A the A tier, the B tier right now. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, the most important thing obviously is going to be success on the court, but overall body of work. It, 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 for instance, I'm not one of these guys that's like scoreboard watching, saying, "Oh, Chris Beard lost another one." That that means he's you know dropped down my list. Oh, Chris Beard had a big win. Uh, Nate Oates, you know, Nate Oates had a big win. It's like, I don't, ultimately, I don't think that stuff matters that much. Number one, um, because every team wins and loses in college basketball. It just kind of is what it is. You know, obviously you want a coach that's going to win a lot more than he loses, but winning on the road in college basketball is incredibly difficult. It's difficult for me to hold that against a lot of guys. Uh, and I, I don't think that one or two losses either way, wins or losses either way, makes a huge difference. I think it's incredibly it, it's incredibly short-sighted to, you know, I see a lot of people like, oh, you know, Scott Drew's really slipping down my list. I'm like, Scott Drew's won a national championship, homie. He built a program from dust to, you know, getting his own arena erected. Like, he, he'll get a statue there if he stays there for the rest of his career. Ultimately, I think it's it's – to me, I'm coming down to more of the train of thought that if Josh Hurd likes a guy, then we need to support it. Just because if you look at the way that the last two hires have gone, it seemed like Chris Mack was kind of like a baked-in decision, right? Like he was the be- he was the best clear-cut. You-, you rarely have those those moments in college basketball, right? Where it's like, okay, everybody and their and their mother understands that whenever Chris Mack's season is over he's probably getting that call from Louisville and he's probably going to end up in Louisville based on his connections, based on him being the best possible coach available out there. Right. Then the next hire is Kenny Payne, which was basically a booster hire. That was basically, you know, a lot of the big name, former players, people, you know, with a lot of money and a lot of pool really wanted to bring in Kenny Payne and, at the time, Josh Hurd was in the interim, and we had a president that was in the interim. And so making the decision to hire Payne was pretty much the only option. Uh, I mean, Hurd would have had to have some serious cojones to go against that. And then if, if that doesn't work out, you know, he is, you know, probably <laughs> he might be on the chopping block. You know, if, if he doesn't pick Kenny Payne, KP goes somewhere else, uh, and then whoever he brings in doesn't do well. So this is the first opportunity that Louisville's really had uh, to, or that Josh Hurt has really had to run his own coaching search. You know, even in in football, it was the same way as Chris Mack kind of, right? Like you have one option and that's hiring Jeff Brum, period. Um, So, you know, and and that's kind of the, the way that my mindset has been over the last few weeks is, you know, well, who would Josh Hurt want to hire? And based on all of his comments in the past, like I, I keep going back to Scott Drew. I think that that's the biggest no brainer. And I do feel like, you know, I, I have confidence that a program like Louisville could pull a guy like Scott Drew. And I think that a guy like Scott Drew would absolutely want to come to Louisville. I think the one thing for him is just going to be is he a guy that's going to follow his intuition? Um, is he a guy that wants to take the risk of coming to Louisville based on of the last two coaches? Uh, or does he want to just make his own, you know, forge his own path, if you will, uh, and, and stay at Baylor? Because there's some guys that are like that. You know, look at uh, Denny Crum. You know, there was all those rumors back in the day that he was going to return to UCLA and bring them back to pro- prominence. And, he said, no, Louisville is my home now. This is the program that I helped build. I want to stay here. Um, so is Scott Drew going to be like that? Or if not, I think that he's the biggest no-brainer hire. And, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I think that Nate Oates is a great hire, especially because he's going to bring an exciting brand of basketball and solid recruiting immediately. Uh, he's, he's always gotten great players into that program both through the transfer portal and through a, the conventional way, bringing in freshmen and developing them. Uh, and yeah, he's a guy that could come in and next year they win, win 18 to 20 games, but everybody's really excited about the future because they're playing this fun run and gun style where they're scoring 95, hundred points a game. Nate Oates 
his teams have led the country or been in the top 10 in the country in offensive offensive efficiency for like five, six, seven years. Like even going back to, uh, you know, his, his previous regime, he has just been really solid as, as far as his, um, his, you know, his, uh, what do you want to call it? His methodology continuing to work. Uh, and he's really big on those like NBA analytics where his teams only shoot close to the basket or from behind the three point line. They're not pulling up from mid range. They're not shooting from the elbow. Like you look at their shot charts and it's like, unless it's in the paint or behind the three point line, they literally just do not take shots anywhere else. Um, so Nate Oates is a guy, I mean, He's he's been high on my list. I, I think the one thing about Nate Oates that you talked about was that buyout. That ten million dollar buyout is unprecedented. Nobody is, as far as I'm aware, no school has ever paid a buyout that high in college basketball to bring in a, a, a head coach. And Louisville certainly is not a program that's positioned to pay that buyout money. Now you do have programs like Arizona, who they got their boosters together. And even though they were running a 170 something million dollar financial shortfall, which is an inconceivable number. The fact that they're even running an athletic department is crazy, but they somehow got their boosters together and they forked up the money to pay for their coach to have a contract extension. So it's not unprecedented elsewhere for, for people to do things like that, but it'd be unprecedented for somebody, for a school to pay a buyout that high and it'd be unprecedented for Louisville to have the boosters pony up and pay the money to to buy out a coach or pay the money uh, that's an allocated fund just for the 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 buyout of the coach or just for the contract of the coach. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't know at where every you know nickel and dime comes from or where it goes to. But we have a pretty good idea based on, you know, just open records requests and, and just public knowledge of Louisville's finances. Uh, and, and that's never been a thing. Going back to Patino, going back to Petrino, going back, you know, it, 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 there's never been a situation where, where Louisville ha- has done anything like that. So that's that's the one thing that gives me pause. If Nados didn't have that buyout, then it, in, in my opinion, I think that he's the number one target. But because you have to pay that much money to get him, uh, then I, I'm I'm unsure, and then you have school, you have names like a Scott Drew, who we re- we're really not familiar with what his buyout looks like. Maybe it's something just outrageous. Maybe he has a 15 million dollar buyout that nobody knows about. Um, you know, there, there's other situations. It's the same way with like Shaka Smart. We're really not sure what that looks like for him. Um, so that's kind of where I stand right now. Ultimately, I think that. Josh is going to make the best move for the program. I'll back it. If it's Chris Beard, I'm going to have some serious internal qualms with it being Chris Beard, just because of stuff that we've talked about previously. Uh, The one name that has been kind of circulating just today um, is McDermott at at Creighton. Uh, Any opinion on if that's a name that, that you think Louisville would even go after? I would I mean, not a terrible hire. I mean, consistently has Creighton playing really, really well. I think they made it to was it the Elite Eight last year, Sweet Sixteen last they, year? They did. Yeah, they they lost to eventual runner up San Diego State. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, the it Elite Eight. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh my God, what are we doing higher? But again, that's like a C tier hire. I mean, I just think there's so many better names out there. More, they would get the fan base excited, get the fan base united behind it, um, which I think is a really big thing. Um, I you're talking about the Jeff Borzello, uh, yeah, yeah. So, we're talking about the ESPN Plus article, yeah. So, thankfully, my buddy's mom has ESPN Plus and I have her login. So, I <laughs> my, was able my to dog's it. sister has an mm-hmm. ESPN Plus account and she logged in one time and I, I never logged out, yeah. So, I think where that's coming from, so I'll just read it. Um, what Borzello said about Louisville basically, he called Louisville a trending toward open head coaching position, which is understating it. Mm-hmm. said in December it looks likely Kenny Payne would be sacked before the new year but athletic director Josh Hurd announced he would keep Payne in place at least through the end of the campaign things haven't improved much for the Cardinals however who entered the week at 8 and 18 overall 
and thir- three and twelve in the ACC after going four and twenty eight overall and two and eighteen in the ACC play last season. It's hard to see Payne getting another season, especially with Louisville making last making an NCAA tournament appearance in twenty nineteen. And this is the most important sentence. When this one opens, it will be the best job available with big names ranging from Scott Drew to Nate Oates to Greg McDermott to Dusty May, all possibly on Josh Hurd's list. So I think that's where that name kind of got floated out today. Um, If you scroll up in the article, he also lists Greg McDermott in the Ohio State job as well. So maybe Greg McDermott's agent is just kind of throwing his name out there to either get a raise or get maybe a raise. out of Creighton. Yeah. I don't know. Um, if I, I didn't put him in my list, but if I did, he'd probably be below 10. He'd be in like that Mick Cronin, Shaka Smart, Porter Moser, Dusty May, Lamont Paris kind of territory where like, I think they're a good coach and would certainly be an improvement to the situation we have now. But I think there are five other names that are much, much better than that. I'm looking at uh, the TJ Otzelberger buyout. Three point three six million seems a lot more uh, palatable. You know, a number that's a little bit more easy to stomach. And you know, again, it, with Otzelberger, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, does he want to stay and build at Iowa State and the best conference in the country, um, or does he want to step up to you know a, a top ten uh, type of job and you know, I mean, you know, the San Diego State, the, he he has been successful at each stop. Um, and then, I mean, the other thing that we talked about, you know, 2021, he was two and 22. Uh, and then in 2022, 22 and 13. Uh, that's pretty solid. Uh, it's, it's been a really solid turnaround. And now he's, you know, got Iowa State in the top 10. Uh, really quality squad. So, I think that's a name to look out for if we're trying to get somebody on the cheap. And then obviously Dusty May is the other big name. Um, you know, FAU is what he's done there is nothing short of, of, of impressive. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, when you look at this list, I think, I think Drew and Oates are one and two, uh, maybe with Musselman being like a, a different third option. I will say, I mean, Musselman, we've made it clear, is probably like my third favorite candidate behind Scott Drew and Nate Oates. Mm-hmm. But if you made me put a bet down for $100 right now, who is Louisville's next head coach come whenever they get knocked out of the SEC tournament, it's Eric Musselman. I mean, it just yeah. makes – I mean, that buyout is $750,000. That is insane. That's a buyout you see when you're hiring someone at like Southern Mississippi, like yeah. hiring them away from there. So that's like such an incredibly low buyout. He's a Great recruiter, great in the transfer portal. And before this year, he had Arkansas rolling, a program that, I mean, I guess had some good years, I believe, in the 90s. But, I mean, and since the aughts, like, have not really been that relevant. So, and I would be thrilled with that hire. So, I think if I'm a betting man, I'd say it's Eric Musselman. I think he makes the most sense talent-wise and the most sense feasibility-wise. Yeah, and I mean, you look at this list of guys – I think that Louisville, at a job like Louisville, you have to have a guy that has a little bit of assholishness to him, right? Uh, you know, Chris Mack had that, absolutely. You know, I, I think I personally think Chris Mack is a good guy, but I think that he has that, you know, that extra gear that he has to go into uh, that makes winning uh, the number one priority. And I think that's what you have to have in a guy. Eric Musselman, I'm not sure. Like, you know, there's lots of rumblings about him being kind of an asshole behind the scenes, but he has that, like, rah-rah mentality that people like. Uh, Nate Oates, kind of the same way. Um, He's, you know, a little rough around the edges. Um, Kind of feel the same way about, you know, maybe like a Otzelberger or Scott Drew. Or, uh, excuse me, Dusty May. Definitely don't feel, feel that about Scott Drew. I think Scott Drew is, you know, he's he seems like one of the most likable guys in the sport. Um, so, you know, when you look at qualities that you want in a coach, you know, you, you obviously want them to be a good person and a good leader, um, but they got to have that, like, Kenny Payne does not instill, instill fear in anyone, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and you can tell by the way that his players play. It's incredibly undisciplined. It's incredibly disorganized. Um 
is disorganized a word? Unorganized. Well, disorganized, you're good. Disorganized a word. Disorganized a word. Very, very I good. I feel like it is. Uh, you know, obviously Scott Drew has the respect of his players, but you have to have that kind of chip on your shoulder, rough around the edges type of mentality to coach at a place like Louisville. Like, you know, I don't think the media here by any means is, is brutal, but there are expectations here. Um, and, you know, does a guy like, you know, I, I think as a coach, he's great, but does this guy like Scott Drew moving from Waco, Texas, which is Chip and Joanna Gaines central, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the mentality and, and lifestyle down there to moving to Louisville where it's like basketball is life. Um, you know, is ball life for Scott Drew? I don't know. Um, so, but I, I do kind of feel, you know, like you said, I feel that about Chris Beard, Eric Musselman, Nate Oates, in, in a sense. Not sure I see that with Tang and Drew. And it could be, too, that Jerome Tang, you know, comes from the Scott Drew coaching trees. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff to think about. I kind of agree with you about the McDermott hire. You know, that if they were to hire McDermott, I wouldn't be super thrilled, but I wouldn't be upset either, if that makes sense. I mean, it's a guy that he has won 20 or more games in 13 out of 14 seasons at Creighton, which I, you know, I know Creighton knocked Louisville out of the NCAA tournament in 1999, but I'm not sure that they've been a quality uh, program for, for, you know, very long. So I think what he's done there is nothing short of very impressive. Uh, and I think that everybody wrote off when Doug McDermott was the star there that, that, you know, his dad would kind of fall by the wayside once he left. And that hasn't happened at all. They've been, they've been a quality program for, you know, the last decade plus. Um, yeah, so if he's got a grandson. If Doug McDermott has a child that is like in the class of 2026, 2027, let's hire him right now. Cause I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a Dougie McBuckets on this squad. If he comes with a grandchild, that's going to put up 20, 25 a game, then let's hire him right now. Well, I don't think Doug is old enough to have uh, a grandchild that's in middle school or high school, but um, you never know. They could have other kids out there. I, I don't know what the McDermott, um, you know, family tree looks like. So uh, any other final thoughts before we move on on the, the coaching search and and kind of what we're looking for going forward? No, I think I'm just I'm excited. Because regardless of who is hired, it will be an improvement. It is mm -hmm. almost impossible to not be. Mm -hmm. And so I know that even if they don't hire Musselman, Nate Oates, Scott Drew, even if it's one of these C-tier candidates or someone even below that that we haven't even thought of, I'm still going to support it. And I'm knowing that it's going to get better. And so I'm hoping the rest of the fan base, you'll have your 24 hours, 48 hours of reaction to the hire. But at the end of the day, we've been so fractured as a fan base, it feels like, over the last... 18 months, 24 months mm -hmm. that uh, mm -hmm. let's, I just want to find a guy that we're all that we all get behind regardless. So that's my biggest thing on the hire, regardless yep. of who it is, it will be better. Yep. And, and like you said, unless it's maybe two guys out there, uh, you know, there people are going to take issue with with certain guys. It is just is what it is. But I, I think there's even more names out there than just the guys that we've mentioned that are on Louisville's radar. And I think there's guys that even though we might not see it quite yet, could be come here and be, you know, really successful. Um, so a lot of it's going to be about, you know, their willingness to utilize resources, their willingness to partner with and help and accept help from 502 circle, you know, how well they can put together a staff, you know, what that staff budget looks like for them. Um, and and I, I think there's a lot of cool things that you could do, like with, a, say, you bring in Dusty May, you you give him, you know, three to three and a half million a year and, you know, two to two and a half million in assistant coaching salaries and, you know, get, you know, he has a $5 million buyout or something like that. I think that that's a very reasonable uh, sensible salad type of hire. Whereas, you know, you bring in uh, Nate Oates, he might be asking for $6 million a year. And then, you know, who does he choose from for his coaching tree? You know, what does the budget look like 
it's in the way of NIL. There's a lot that goes into it. So I'm excited to have these conversations going forward. Uh, Jake, on the on the other side, we're going to talk a little TBT because Louisville TBT is coming back to Freedom Hall. Kentucky has a team. If Louisville and Kentucky both win three games, they will face each other. Um, so a lot of good things on the horizon. Do you want to take a, a quick moment to acknowledge our sponsors, the people who make this possible? Kern's Corner has been in our corner uh, since since day one. If you go to Kern's, make sure that you bring cash. They are cash only, but they have one of the best burgers in the city. You can go there and get three beers and a burger for like 10 bucks or something like that. Kearns is the best. Uh, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. Again, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, if you listen to the to the From the Pink Seats podcast, you know they are a bar and they are a box store. So you can go there and get a drink and take home the bottle of whatever you had. Uh, so a lot of cool things going on there. Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. Can't wait to share what we got, got, got going on with our partnerships. Uh, and as always, the sponsor of the Starting 502 podcast, Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Make sure you check it out today. After the break, we're talking TBT. Roll the commercials. Looking for a place for some of the best beer and liquor deals in town? Frankfurt Avenue Liquors has you covered. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, to catch some, some of the best live local music, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors also has a full-service bar with some award-winning bartenders. Some of the best drinks you'll find in town. Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, as the name says, off of Frankfurt Avenue. Check them out today. Mr. and Mrs. is for everyone, from a more traditional 90 proof to a cash drink that's smoother. In 2013, Russ going to the hole, and boy, could we use that right now. Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon covers tastes, all different tastes of preferences, six different bourbons that they're offering. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon, the official bourbon of State of Louisville and the Starting 502 podcast on shelves anywhere you find your liquor, and now online at Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon.com. Go check it out. All right, and we are back. Jake Hook, Presley Meyer. Jake, are you uh, how, how are you feeling after the, the Mars, man? After the what? Oh, the, the Mars. Mars. Did, how many Mars did you have? So, I probably shouldn't be this honest. I don't like margaritas. Oh, really? Uh, I don't really like tequila all that much. I'm more like vodka rum kind of guy. Yeah. Or beer. So, uh, bourbon occasionally, but typically vodka rum. My girlfriend, on the other hand, who is passed out right beside me, had a jumbo. And uh, it seems to have done the trick. Uh, it was a successful <laughs> uh, National Margarita Day for her. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And for people who don't know, I'm assuming February 22nd every year is Margarita Day. Is that is that a thing? Every is day that... is every day is something now. <laughs> That's true. I'm sure there's like six different National Margarita Days. Like, or there's probably like a National Tequila Day. And there's a National Margarita Day. There's a National Frozen Margarita Day. There's National Margarita with Salt on the Rim Day, whatever. And I'm totally cool with that. And personally, I think that if you make it well, a margarita can be awesome. But it can also taste like poison if it's, you know, one of the, like, the bottom shelf ones from Elmo Paul, yep. um, which I have nothing bad to say about Elmo Paul necessarily. But, you know, hey, a good margarita. A you say what you want. <laughs> a good margarita can go a long way, though. Uh, but I, we did I, wanna... uh, I work in the hospital or I work at a hospital here in Bowling Green and I'm in marketing. And one thing I've learned is there is there are so many health holidays. Literally last week was National Pediatric Dentistry Day. There you go. I don't think that needs it's a day. Um, I mean, kids do need to brush their teeth. I get that. But it's sure. just, it's 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 hilarious to me how many national it, it, it... days of recognition there are. Why did they not just name it Tooth Fairy Day? That's what I want to know. Why why is it not National Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy Day? Or, or uh, you know, we come up with something better than than um, you national know national pediatric. pediatric yeah, I guess whatever. Yeah, I'm sure sounds, some pediatric den, dentist made it up. So sounds terrifying. Also, in brighter news, sad to say, but going to the TBT game last year, their first game. At Freedom Hall, I think it was it against Auburn's alumni team. Is that right? Yeah, War Eagle. Is that right? War Eagle. Yeah, that is the most fun I have had watching a basketball game in five years, at least five years, probably since Louisville beat UK at Louisville Donovan Mitchell's year. Yeah, probably that's, that's the that most was a long fun time ago. Mm -hmm. That was two thousand and sixteen or seventeen. Even uh, longer so. than you. Yeah, so six, seven years. Yeah. So that's yeah. That that's tragic. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can think of a few Chris Mack era games that were really fun when they beat when they finally beat Virginia. That was great. Um, there was oh well, there was the COVID game where they beat Kentucky, uh, yeah. and then we had that uh, we had that great game where we hosted Michigan, had a wideout. I think mm-hmm. Louisville was number one in the country. I, I, I'll always remember that as being one of the more fun games of the Chris Mack era. But you're right, man. Uh, I've already reserved tickets. If you haven't yet, um, you can actually go to TBT's website. And I believe it's just the tournament.com. I'm, I'm, I, I need, need to look that up. But, um, yeah, if you just Google TBT or the basketball tournament, um, you can pre-order or at least get on a waiting list uh, to be the first, among the first, to get tickets to TBT, which is returning to Freedom Hall uh, over the summer. Uh, and we now know that Montrez Harrell and Peyton Siva are two of the first members of the team. Uh, I think it's very uh, a very loud, um, not even a rumor necessarily, Russ Smith will be involved in some capacity. I think my man's trying to make it like he wants to put a, a banner on the front of Freedom Hall or something with <laughs> with with Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. We're gonna we're gonna try to blow that stuff up, man. Um that brings me to though assembling a TBT roster, a level TBT roster. And there I'm assuming there's gonna be some holdovers from last year. Um I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, Shane Bahannon, probably a good bet that that he'd be back again this year. Uh, Shane really used last year as a tryout to try to get back onto a roster somewhere. Um, and so maybe he tries to give it a go again this season. Um, like I said, I think Russ is going to be on the roster. I'd really like to see Nick Mayo return. I think Nick Mayo is a guy that if he really tried, like if, if it was his ultimate goal to be on a roster, I think that he could be on an NBA roster or at least a two-way contract. Like he's he's a guy that's that good, um, dude. I was guys at that, that game, and I mean I I'm not familiar with Eastern Kentucky basketball, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is this big white dude? He is the best player on the floor. Yes, he he was. And I mean, granted, Russ played really well. Nanu played really well. Shane at times, but like consistently, he was the best player on the floor. Like stretch four. Could shoot it, athletic, protected the rim, had like three nasty dunks, had a top ten dunk. I need this dude back on the team. I need more mayo in my life. <laughs> That's good to know. Make sure I tell your girlfriend when she wakes up from her uh, <laughs> from her margarita stupor. Um, yeah. Is there anybody else on last year's roster that you're like, man, we really got to have them back? Mm, I would love – Luke was cool just to have there. He didn't really play a lot, but I'd love to have him just in like a coaching role again because I, I, it's just awesome to see him back. Um, Chris Dow, former Bellarmine player, guard. Yeah. Played really, really, really well. Would love to have him back. I'm trying to think of any fringe Louisville guys that could be on this year. I know Raheem Buckles and Wayne Blackshear were on the team last year, but Mm -hmm. which I would love to have him back. But they're kind of to that age where it's like, oh, it's it's really starting to to decline. So I'd love to get some younger faces, some younger legs in the team, like maybe a Quentin Snyder. I don't think Carly Jones can play because he's in the G League. I don't know what that rule is. I know for sure yeah. if you're an NBA player, you cannot play. Right. But right. I don't know yeah. if G League you can play or not, and nor do I know if you would want to if you're still trying to make the NBA. Right, right. Um, to, to, to me, you know, I'm just sitting here jotting down names. Uh, Earl Clark, I think, is a guy that they're going to make that happen this year. Last year, he had a conflict um, where he couldn't – he ultimately could not play because of his, his contract with – I think it's – was the big three tournament – uh, where, where he wasn't allowed to play. So I think they're, they're going to try to make that happen this year. Last year, it seemed like a last second squeeze in. And this year, you know, they have a lot more time to really develop that. Uh, other names, Ryan McMahon. Oh, yes. Now, I don't know how active, if at all, Ryan is, um, you know, but you don't, you don't need a guy like that to be getting in there, getting rebounds. You need him to play like eight, 10 minutes a game and just come in and chuck up six, seven threes. A like, shot like that doesn't go away. Yeah, exactly, and that—that's the thing. Yeah, if you're a sh- if you're a shooter, you're a shooter. Like he's put in his ten thousand hours, he can get back in the gym, get in shape, and and be a productive member of that that team. Um, I, I don't know if he's willing. I don't know, you know, where he is in his life, but that'd be a guy that I'd like to see 
um, you know, making the effort. Another guy, Preston Knowles. How about mm-hmm. that? I'd love to see Preston Knowles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he is in his career as well, but he's played in the TBT before. I think there was some kind of conflict of interest this year where he couldn't do it. Um, Honest Mahmood is another name. Like Wolves going to have to have some bigs. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to have Nanu back. Um, but I would like to see. Uh, I'd like to see maybe Honest give it a run. Uh, hey, you know maybe. who another big? You know who another big could be? Uh, were you going to say Gorgie? Gorgie Zhang. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, now, gracious. so Gorgie, I'm not sure if you if many people know this, but Gorgie has a job with the Spurs right now. So he's oh, okay. working in a in a front office capacity somehow, and so I'm not sure if those schedules will conflict at all, uh, or if they'll they'll let him get out and play, but. God, what what? How great would it be to at least have him there at the games? I mean, and maybe you look at him as a guy to be on the coaching staff. You know, how great would that be to have Gorgie out there? Um, yeah. So th- those are some of the names that that immediately come to mind. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Chris Jones was a guy. Um, oh yeah, that, he he that, played he played for one of the teams that was uh, that, that Louisville. He played for the team that Louisville beat in the second round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't think of they, – they weren't affiliated with any school or anything, yeah. but um, Chris – I think they were – it was Tennessee something. Yeah, um, yeah. He played nice, too. He played really nice. I think they're from he, Jackson, Tennessee. He did play really well, and apparently he's told the players that he wants to join the team. Would so, love that. Ooh, how about Mango Mathieng? Well, that'd if be we're great. talking bigs. I mean, he, yeah. I think the biggest thing is, like, names like Earl Clark or Terrence Williams, that would garner a ton of interest. People would mm-hmm. love to see it. But when you see him on the court, you're like, oh, shit, you're 37. Mm-hmm. Like It kind of hits you. You're like, I love watching you play, but like you're very clearly not in your prime anymore. So I think getting those guys from like 2014 and earlier or sooner mm-hmm. is kind of like the way to go to create like a really dynamic roster that could actually win the tournament. So guys like Mango Mathiang or obviously David Johnson still in the G League, but like guys in that area, maybe Quentin Snyder, some like that mm-hmm. yeah and and i don't know the legality of like you said i'd be interested because i had heard david johnson's name like you know kind of floated out there and i'm not sure if he's on any active g league roster or not um so that, that'd be something to look into probably um but yeah there's lots of names out there the other thing that i'm interested in is is the coach and the dynamics of of adding a coach uh lieberman has said that he's definitely not doing it this year um, leaves is trying to get back into coaching. Uh, it sounds like he's going to try to get an assistant coaching role somewhere. I don't know if he'd even be up for a head coaching role at a smaller college, maybe, uh, but he really wants to get back into the game has talked about that a lot on the radio. So he's definitely not in. Um, so I'd be interested to see, you know, is it Luke Hancock? Uh, can they bring somebody like a Gorgie in to, to be a coach? Uh, do you just have a player coach? You know, a lot of these teams don't actually have a coach. They just have a player that's designated as a coach, kind of like how Luke Hancock was last year. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what they can come up with in, in the way of of a coaching staff. And, um, you know, I, to, to, to me, if, if you're looking at assembling a team for TBT, they don't call a lot of fouls. So that means that you're not going to have a ton of dudes in foul trouble where you're going to have to have some super deep roster. I think eight or nine guys is fine. And ultimately, you split that million dollars, you know, however, you know, how, what, in whatever way you, you decide to. But, you know, the, the more, the more members you have, the more coaching staff members, the more, you know, team owners or whatever it is, you know, you like look at the rosters and there's guys that are like involved in a non coaching or player capacity that's still going to pay out. Um, so the more, you know, hands you have uh, in the basket, the less money you get paid out. Um, so I'd be interested to see uh, what, what, what comes of that. And I'm hoping that they don't try to water it down too much. But, yeah, we got Steven Trez, which is a great start. Uh, last year, Peyton was, was playing through a hamstring injury. And it was pretty admirable that, you know, he had his – it was so weird to see. You know, he's got the braces on his knees and, uh, you know, he's just trying to trudge through it. Um, I think Russ is a no-brainer. So, I mean, I, I think right now you have – Harold, Siva, and Russ. And then it's about, you know, 
what pieces do you put around that? Like you said, I would love to see a lineup of Russ and Peyton, Harrell, uh, Nick Mayo, uh, and then maybe an Earl Clark or maybe a Chris Jones. And I mean, that's a, there, there's no, there will not be a better lineup than that um, assembled and put in, put in TBT. I could be wrong about that, but um, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, Louisville didn't have like a top seed this year. So they played some more difficult teams uh, right off the bat. So I'm interested to see who they get paired against this year. And if they really make it a concerted effort to get Louisville matched up with Kentucky, you know, they're trying to do this regional thing where it'd be like, you know, like a Butler gets matched up with Indiana or Ohio State gets matched up with Michigan or whatever it might be. Um, so any any other thoughts on on TBT and, and where what direction this is going in? I, I mean, for years, I would watch the TBT and be like, God, could Louisville just have a team in this? Please, please, please. Mm. And I think it could not have came at a better time than last year. After what we struggled with, four wins, the years prior still not being up to standard – it could not have came at a better time, and I'm just looking forward to this being a, a yearly thing that we have a fresh set of dudes ready to come play that used to play at Louisville or are affiliated with the city somehow. I think the only name we didn't mention that was on last year's roster was Kyle Keurig. Mm, I know he's yeah. another guy kind of getting up there in age, um, but I mean, I watched him. He can still splash it. He's still athletic. He's not. He's not putting in like top 10, number one play dunks on Notre Dame but he's mm-hmm. still athletic enough to get the job done. So I can't wait. I know you'll be there. I'm going to be there. I sat behind Steven Van Trees last time, mm-hmm. which sounds awesome. But then yeah, you realize the that a 6'11", 270-pound man is sitting in front of you, and it does obstruct the view a little bit. Yeah, he's... But nothing against Steven Van Trees at all. He was very nice, and it was it was cool to be near him. Yeah, I ran into him last night. You always forget, you know, just how big those guys are. Um, Giant. So... The the tournament it is the tournament dot com. Um, if you want to get early access to the tickets, it's the tournament dot com slash tbt slash tickets. Uh, and this will be taking place July nineteenth through August fourth. We don't have all the details quite yet uh, on you know when Louisville's playing, what the region will look like, but we do know that if Louisville wins out and Kentucky wins out those two teams will face each other. And that in and of itself is exciting. It looks like Eric Bledsoe is the guy that they're choosing to kind of head up the Kentucky TBT team. So it seems like a really solid start. He had a really, um, you know, solid, I think like six man of the year type of NBA career. Um, what do you play for the, for the bucks for most of the time, right? Eric uh, Bledsoe. Yeah. Bucks. Son, he played. He Sons, played. That's right. Places. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the, Kentucky should have a solid crop of guys to to assemble a really solid roster. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think that last year they laid the foundation, and this year is the year that they can really get after it and make make a lot of noise. So, uh, Jake, anything else before we get out of here? I think I'm good. It's well past my bedtime. Yeah, I'm, me I'm too. asleep. I'm asleep by nine o'clock at this point, and you're an hour ahead of me. So. Uh... Yeah, I think it's good. I think I think this podcast is only going to go up from here, as in terms of like the conversation topics and the the mood of the podcast. So I'm excited as as the weeks and the months go on. Yeah, guys. I mean, if you're a listener of all State of Louisville podcast network podcasts, one thing that you know is that there's a lot of consistency behind these podcasts. You know, we try to put them out around the same time every week if we can. Uh, we try to you know go with the same type of formats the same sort of, you know, uh, back and forth. We haven't had that opportunity yet with this podcast because it seems like everything's been so patently negative. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, this is something that, that we do for fun, you know, <laughs> and we've not been able to have a lot of fun doing this. It's been kind of just like, uh, you know, more of a pain than a pleasure at this point. And things are starting to take a turn for the better. So, we are going to get more consistent with with the podcast itself. We're going to be a lot more consistent about having you know quality guests on. I think Andrew Zoldon from uh, from TBT will be one of our first guests as we're get, getting into the off season. 
Um, you know, we'll try to have, you know, a Peyton or a Russ or a Trez on uh, and, and talk about the TBT. And then we'll get into the season, man. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk about the new head coach, the new style of play. There'll be a lot to get into. It'll be a lot more fun, a lot more lighthearted going forward. Uh, and we can't wait to bring it to you. Uh, make sure that you follow Jake on the Twitter, on the X, at UofL underscore updates. Make sure you follow me at Press Meyer, and as always, um, at the State of Lou. Uh, and then, if you want to follow the podcast as well, uh, that is just starting 502. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you follow all those. Uh, until next time, starting 502 podcast, drink your mystery, Mrs. Bourbon. Let's get out of here and go cards. Go cards. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.